Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring in the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. And today, we're talking about how Reach PLC, the largest newspaper group in the UK, has been launching news websites throughout the pandemic in a year when they've also had significant job cuts and furloughed staff. Now, the pandemic has been hard on the news industry across the board. Let's not lose sight of that. And Reach PLC, which publishes titles like The Mirror and The Manchester Evening News, is no exception. My guest today is David Higgison, Chief Audience Officer of Reach PLC, and he'll be reflecting on a busy 12 months at the company. In early 2020, it did launch a string of hyperlocal news websites. And then the pandemic hits, and we saw reported figures of Reach furloughing a thousand staff. Following that, it expanded its live network into three new regions in June, with it creating three new websites. And then in July, we saw reported figures of 550 job layoffs at the company. Reach has also gradually been hiring for many of its new positions this year, and has just set out on a recruitment drive of 25 journalists across its network. It's a sign of recovery, but make no mistake, there is a long way to go. David talks to me about the tough but essential decisions Reach has had to make to push ahead with plans for expansion amid pandemic disruption. All of that's to come, but first, this. As well as great editorial content, journalism.co.uk provides a jobs ball with the latest opportunities from around the media industry. Our job of the week is a freelance gaming journalist position at GRV Media. For this position and all the rest on our jobs board, head over to www.journalism.co.uk forward slash jobs. David, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. What's the working situation like for yourself at the moment? Uh, pretty much like everybody else, working from home, longing for the office. Never thought I'd say that. but <laughs> No, I find myself saying that every episode. You know, There's something about um, working from home which just isn't quite the same, is it, David? Not after 11 months, no. Not after 11 months, <laughs> surely not. We're here, of course, to talk about um, the, the new websites and the recruitment drive that Reach has, has been on. Um, but, you know a good place to start might just be acknowledging how difficult it's been for the news industry across the board over the last 12 months. Reachers is no exception. We've seen reported uh, figures around 1,000 staff furloughed in April, uh, 550 jobs uh, announced would be cut in July. So there's been a lot of tough decisions for you over the last 12 months, right? Yeah, very much so. So like many businesses, we saw a significant change in, in revenue as a result of the pandemic um, and, of course, of the, the, of the country locking down. So um, what, what you don't know uh, when that happens, and it's a once in a lifetime, hopefully, event, is is how long it's going to go on for. Um, and indeed, it, in, in some ways, it is still going on. Um, that said, you know, our scale really helped us uh, weather the storm in, in a way that um, a, a lot of other companies uh, have have struggled. So we launched the, the transformation uh, project, which saw um, things like the Reach Wire, which enables us to get stories to more people. The Sports Vertical that gets our sports journalists uh, working working more closely. But there's no doubt that you know that that change was a, a, a huge change and a really really um, a, a, a tough tough period, which which took a lot out of people. Yeah. So talk to me about some of those decisions and why they were made. So so quite simply, it was a case of um, the pandemic hit. I can remember where I was. On, on the, on, on, I think it was March the 18th. I was in our Newcastle office and Boris Johnson issued his um, kind of try to work from home order. 
and then within seven days that would become a only leave your house for one hour a day for exercise order and the whole of the country's economy went into a, a state of a state of shock advertising uh, dried up um and we had to we had to respond um the first lockdown was what maybe 12 weeks or so but the, the the shock was seismic a lot of businesses didn't reopen um we did um put teams of uh, journalists and other functions on on furlough where the work had literally stopped it's i'd never really thought about it in sort of the 20 odd years i've worked in journalism that if the world stops your ability to report on the world stops to a certain extent as well so you know, sports being an, an example what's on another area uh, as as well um and then it became clear that the impact it was having on on the business meant that we would need to um we would need to restructure um that led to the restructure announcement which uh, as is well documented uh, included a, a number of our journalists um since then things have got better national uh, clients have continued to spend and interestingly i think during the second lockdown um in 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 november even though in many ways it was very similar to the first one i think a lot of businesses have become used to how to continue trading during a, a lockdown period and and then that certainly helped us yeah so how how was that felt across national and local titles how were those uh, decisions spread out we looked at each title and um you know, worked out where can we do things more efficiently. There are certain things in some places, some editors took the call to, to stop doing or do less of. Um, and it was taken on a, a, a title by title basis. I think one of the things it did prove was for a long time, we've had people questioning externally uh, or within the industry rather are you just on a chase for page views, which we strongly believe, no, we're not just about collecting page views at any cost. But if you look at the live network, which is the part that I think we're going to talk about most today, in, in 2010, that was 100 million page views a month. At the start of uh, uh, 2021, that's 800 million page views a month. And that scale brought a resilience, which meant that it otherwise could have been much, much worse if we weren't reaching as many people um as we were so in many ways the scale of the page views that we particularly in regional news um prevented it from being from 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 being a lot worse so for each newsroom it was a case of how do we ensure we can we continue doing what we're doing within the budgets that are afforded to us as a result of the changed economic landscape and and as i suppose that's the the optimal question was were these sort of decisions a, a help or a hindrance i mean you've staved off the financial pressures at the cost of thinning your ranks so was it a help or a hindrance, David? No, there is no doubt that we um, ended the year with fewer people than we we started with, and you know, that, that that's been very, very widely reported. Our mantra has always been that we you can't just keep piling on work to um, to to a diminishing band of people. You have to you have to work with the resource that you've got to cut your cloth accordingly. I guess to use the, the cliche. So it's a case of uh, making sure that um, where where teams are are smaller, that's reflected in the in in the workload, um, and that's where you often hear people talking about efficiencies through through um, through greater sharing of content and sharing of ideas and and, and digital best practice. Um, but at the same time, there have been opportunities for us to investigate in in in, in new areas as we've identified new opportunities.
Interesting. So what were the key leadership conversations happening at that point in time from an editorial perspective? So the challenge for us at the time editorially was our news was being more widely read than it ever had been before, um, particularly online. Um, but the, the print readership was also remarkably resilient, given that we were all supposed to be staying at home for, apart from going out for one hour a day. So how do you make sure that you can continue to provide the best possible service to readers while reflecting the fact that, that we had uh, less revenue coming in? Um, and, and that was the way that we we had to work our way through that, then working with local editors in all the local marketplaces so that their brands uh, could continue to do what the editors needed those those brands to do. So those were the kind of the two tiers of conversations that we were having. And to be clear, what were the decisions you then came to? So the, the, the decisions that you come to is... is creating a newsroom which is sustainable which for us means a blend of content um, content that you know people want to read um, and does attract an awful lot of people and is very very important to the people who read it and also coming up with uh, a newsroom model which ensures that news that people need to read but aren't necessarily looking out for gets to as many people uh, as as possible as well and that's the balance that we've tried to strike in each and each of our newsrooms so from this position of you know thin ranks um and it should also be noted that you know at the start of furlough as well uh staff are on temporary reduced um pay as well so from that position how did you chart a path forward to try and rebuild reach so i probably wouldn't go so far as to say it was a case of rebuilding reach because we had solid foundations based on on the scale that i've i've, I've talked about it was a case of there was a seismic shock and i think it was very you know very well articulated to the city that everybody was having to play their part in terms of of helping us through a really difficult time um at the same time what was very clear was there were there are some particularly regional markets that will only ever be a certain size and um and, and, and whereas there are other markets which we're not in at all where actually we can grow to a certain size so if you look at hampshire for example we had no journalists there previously we've now got a team of five digital journalists there um, and then there are other parts of the country where we have fewer journalists because we we felt we were doing the most we could within that market. That said, always looking for new opportunities. And that's and that's one of the things that 2021 has afforded us is to start looking at some of those new opportunities. So, so you really, you took that chance to identify new hotspots that you could grow your presence in. And and the new websites, which, which areas did those um, cover? The, the three new launches that we did were Northamptonshire, um, bolted onto our Midlands region um, and Hampshire and Sussex. We also um, expanded the reach of uh, existing websites. So, for example, uh, Lancashire Live, which itself is only a couple of years old, now has a channel for Cumbria. Um, that came with um, a, a additional staff uh, uh, for it. Um, and in Worcestershire, for example, um, we now have a channel for Worcestershire that is part of Birmingham Live as well. But the three main launches, standalone sites, were, were, were those three counties I started with. And what was it about those areas that was kind of appealing or made sense from a business point of view to expand into? Um, Sizable population. Um, I think what we've seen is when, when you know, for a long time, you know, regional journalism has been very territorial. Like a, a county is owned by Reach or Trinity Mirrors, it was, or a county is owned by NewsQuest or JPI. What we've seen is when we go into markets such as Yorkshire, where you know, 18 months ago we had a team of 10, we've now got a team of 35. Um, that doesn't come at the expense of, of of the other publisher getting smaller. We believe we've got a model for journalism which enables us to um, reach people in a different way. Um, and we saw in Northamptonshire and Sussex and Hampshire 
um, the right blend of um, newsy counties. Um, it's certainly in the south coast um, areas, there were there are uh, football teams that we can bring our style of football coverage to. And, and above all, all the counties have communities within them which individually have a strong sense of identity, which we have a proven track record of, of getting very close to. So th- those are three main factors for us. I studied in Bournemouth, so uh, I know about the football teams on the south coast, <laughs> you could say. Um, so at what point did new websites kind of enter the conversation as as a solution? I wouldn't say they, they, they entered the mix as a solution. What we were looking at was... We, I guess what we did was we always looked for new opportunities at the same time as trying to understand what what we had to do within our existing marketplaces. Um, so it's an ongoing discussion and it was a discussion that the that never really stopped. And it, um, so at the start of the year, we'd launched the the borough brands in, in Greater Manchester. We'd done the big expansion on, on, on uh, Yorkshire Live. We'd gone into Newport uh, in, in, with Wales Online um, and, and we kept, we kept looking throughout. Um, um, in many ways, the two pieces of work were, were running in parallel tracks to each other. But at the same time, you, you can't do you can't do one piece of work without without cross referencing it, it with the other. So, it was less about it being a a solution to the the challenge. It was more a case of, well, is there an opportunity to do this in the knowledge that um, better times will come if you if you have a um, a larger audience base overall. I I wonder how that kind of went down with um, teams who are obviously feeling quite short-staffed, the fact that you're launching new websites at a time when they're feeling quite stretched. No, absolutely. It's it's a valid challenge, Um, but it comes down to the the, the potential audience that we could reach in new marketplaces versus the challenges we have within existing marketplaces. So it wasn't the case that we looked at sort of region A and said, right, we're going to take five members of staff away from there to launch in Northamptonshire, for example. Had we not done the new launches, the changes that were happening within the existing regions would have been happening anyway, because they were modelled on where we saw revenue projections and where we needed the business to be. Uh, the new launches were about improving the revenue um, uh, projection. But equally, it, it's entirely understandable for some people to put two plus two together, and indeed they did do. And we talked it through. We talked it through with um, with people to explain explain what we were doing. And, and how did that conversation play out? Uh, different ways with different people. Um, it was um, a lot of people got it um, or, or understood it. There will always be people, and we've had this more outside the business than inside the business, who who would argue that you, know, you shouldn't do any expansion at all because it rocks the boat too much in the regional press anyway. We would, we would, we would we would challenge that and actually say a healthy regional press is a competitive regional press. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so Reach is now currently on a recruitment drive. And correct me if I'm wrong, David, you have been steadily rehiring throughout this pandemic, haven't you? We haven't been rehiring. We've been hiring into roles that didn't previously exist. But yes, in terms of hiring new journalists, we have been steadily since about November, yes. So how close are you now to being at full strength and at pre-pandemic levels? In my, in my part of the business there's still a way to go um mm-hmm. if i if i look at the if i look at the live network for example the if you look at the hiring that we've done over a three-year period up until the the, the pandemic we we were uh, we were still ahead of where we'd been say about three years ago at the end of it so but in terms of the roles that we lost during um during the pandemic yes there's still a way to to 
we've replaced all of those. Yeah, we've done we've done twenty odd on on mm-hmm. London, twenty five in the round that we're talking about today, and then we've had other projects come through, such as um, the support for the the Google Showcase project afforded us the ability to hire some more reporters as well. But there's still a way to go. To there's still a way to go. Mm. Well, it's good to hear that there is some bounce back really and then that's really what i want to dig into how on earth you have managed to see that bounce back happen it's confidence in our ability to keep growing audience um and a confidence that we're a long way through the worst of of, of what's happened although admittedly nobody ever knows what's around the corner mm-hmm. and we see an opportunity to keep driving up the 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 live network of websites um you know our principle is quite simple it's that you know we believe in writing news that people want to read and then finding ways to get the news they need to read to them as 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 well and that's a that's a formula that's been very successful yeah elsewhere and the way that um the way that different revenue streams have have, have come together has 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 been very um has been very encouraging in 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 that regard i think earlier on you spoke about how you come into a new region with a slightly different offering to what might have traditionally been there Talk to me about the the model of these uh, new websites in in the live network. So the the ones we've announced in the last in in the last week are very much modelled on on projects we did in Manchester uh, last year. So yeah, Ma- the Manchester Evening News is uh, according to Comscore twenty million uniques um, um, a month. Um, it has the reach and characteristics of a national site in, in in many ways, but firmly firmly rooted in in Manchester. About a year ago, we put a team of five people in to look after the Berry, Wigan and Bolton boroughs to provide a different level of content to the content we'd normally provide. Um, and that really drove up engagement in terms of pages per uh, user, sessions per user for people who are reading that content. And so it's that model that we're now replicating in uh, Cardiff, in Birmingham, um, uh, uh, and uh, at Liverpool, and also completing the rest of the borough rollout in, in Greater Manchester, there was a separate project at the start of last year when we did the uh, uh, one of the previous rollouts where we launched town-based sites in uh, Chesterfield and Mansfield. And that was really to experiment with what can happen when you go into sort of market or county towns in terms of engagement. They've been successful and that's given us the confidence to, to try the same again in Warrington, uh, Taunton and Cheltenham. Yeah, it seems to me that we're still predicating a business model strength on traffic-driven programmatic ag revenue, though, David. I mean, that's something that COVID has exposed is quite vulnerable. Are you not considering other ways to make uh, make the most of all of this uh, heightened interest and sort of traffic coming to the new sites? Yeah, absolutely. So this, yeah, the company strategy is sort of uh, you know, well documented that you know, we want to drive scale through engagement and we want to... Um, we want to attract many new registered customers, um, as we've announced to the, the, the stock market before Christmas. Um, and from that, you build deeper relationships, um, which enable you to come up with um, new commercial solutions, which uh, which will be announced in uh, which will be announced in, in, in due course. But the reason for the latest expansion on the network is is very much the fact that this isn't about going and finding new readers. It's about engaging with existing readers more effectively uh, and that's what we've seen the MEN do with the the Bolton um, Berry um, Wigan project we saw the same in Newport as well as part of Wales Online so um, you're absolutely right to, to, to make the point about the, the vulnerabilities of being reliant on any, any one source of income and I think the, the industry the regional industry has not um, really dealt with over over a long period of time 
what I would say is that um, the the programmatic market over the course of the pandemic has proved to be far more resilient than lots of other revenue streams. So it's a it's a very valuable thing to have. It's what we do to make sure that we're not um, too reliant on any one source of revenue, which is important for us and indeed for any industry. Can you back that up? The resilience of programmatic ad revenue for breach. Yeah, absolutely. So like all revenue streams, you know, Q, late Q1, Q2 was very, very challenging. But as the company reported in in January, you know, digital revenue grew 25% in Q, uh, quarter four. It was up 13.4% in in quarter three. And of course, programmatic is one part of that. Um, but our newsrooms are also responsible for creating the content which fills newspapers. Um, and um, as, I, as I've said, our print circulations were remarkably resilient um, uh, dur- dur- during the pandemic. So we do have multiple revenue streams to draw on to support our journalism. But the challenge, like any business, is making sure that we um, find um, new revenue streams so we're never overly reliant on any single one. So digital revenue up by you know around about 25% in Q4 there. How do you explain that growth? What do you put that down to? Um, a lot of work by our um, commercial colleagues to um, improve the targeting of adverts so readers are seeing more relevant advertising. But of course, also page view volume growth as well. You seem optimistic. Um, what's the significance of these kind of announcements from Reach's perspective? I think the really exciting thing for us about it is that um, what we've learned, particularly from the work we did with the Manchester Evening News and in the Northeast last year, is that the more local the content, the more engaged people are. And there's a certain truism about that, of course. The more local something is to you, the more interested you will be in it. But the challenge for us is having enough people to be more engaged to make it work as a business model. And that's the breakthrough I think we had in in Greater Manchester and in the Northeast, where um, we now find that people who are reading, for example, our content about Bolton, which we're producing far more of than we were 18 months ago, they don't just read the Bolton content. They'll go on and read Manchester City Centre content, Manchester United content about Christmas. It's a new way of bringing people into the website who are perhaps more fleeting visitors who are actually spending a lot more time with us. And because we have that scale up front on sites like the MEN and Birmingham Live and Wales Online, we've now found a pathway to become more engaged with them, which helps us to hire more journalists and hopefully keep sustaining and growing the business model. So will that be a key strategic uh, plan this year, trying to create closer links between uh, reach titles? Certainly within a region, absolutely. Um, so in, in Wales, for example, lot of, we've, we've got 9 million unique visitors a month come to Wales online. How do we make sure that the people who might be coming in for political coverage or or, um, national news or or the Six Nations rugby are also then spending time on Cardiff Online within the site as well, where we will have five new journalists in the the coming weeks. So people feel as though that there's more stuff on the website which is relevant to them, makes them want to come back more often. Uh, Basically, um, it's not that different to, I guess, what... Uh, regional newspapers were doing 15 years ago where people came for news and sport but what were the other sections that we put in there as well so it's the same approach giving more reasons for more people to stay with us for longer and the exciting part for me is the fact that we've demonstrated that model works um just kind of looking ahead to 2021 do you see uh other other potential hazards lying in wait um there are definitely challenges ahead you know my, my, my optimism is is um rooted in the data that I, I see, um, rather than it just being a, a, a kind of blind hope that anybody who loves local journalism has to have. 
but there are still significant challenges and you know, the, the, you know some of the ones that i i still worry about are um the ability of you know those in authority to try and dismiss journalism in front of large numbers of people and every you know obviously the the stellar example of that is is donald trump but i regularly see local councillors doing it to large audiences on twitter about something a, a reporter has written well there's um a very recent uh, and high-profile example of that with the HuffPost journalist Nadine White, of course. Well, that's and that's a brilliant example, and I don't know the ins and outs of, of that one, but from having looked at it and trying to understand it, the problem there was it feels as though a press office should have done its job better rather than essentially an elected official trolling a publication and an individual, which is which is what happened there. But it's not an isolated case that we see this we see this all the time. So, you know, we. On one hand, we have the the business model challenge, where where I think I am much more optimistic than perhaps I was last summer. But at the same time, you've you've got this more existential thing, which says, how do you make sure that when there are so many people lining up to take a pot shot at journalists nationally, locally, internationally, what have you, we can have that conversation with the audience that says, well, of course they're saying that, but here's how we do our job on behalf of you. For sure. Coming back to this conversation around sustainable newsrooms what have you learned and really taken away from the last 12 months in terms of protecting jobs and future-proofing newsrooms you can't underestimate the resilience of journalists um in the in the case of our newsrooms literally overnight we en- we went from having what maybe 30 offices to you know sort of hundreds of offices around the country in terms of, of that um and and the way our journalists have responded to the challenges has been superb I think in terms of going forward, it's working out what we what we can take away from the pandemic, which is actually improves the working working model going forward. So are we required to be in offices uh, all the time? A lot of our journalists or a lot of journalists full stop would complain about spending too much time in the office has actually have we actually developed a, a new a new way of working? I think probably the most important takeaway for us is when you look across the regional press in particular, we've seen huge growth in in audiences at all publishers, people seeking out news in a very confused time. How do we ensure that 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 trust that we've built with readers during that period of time carries forward into the future whenever whatever the new normal is? Great stuff. David, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for sharing your time and insights with us. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Great to speak to David there, and a couple of things stand out to me. At least what I take from this conversation is that Reach stood firm on their vision to expand the successful live network. They made the necessary cuts to keep that alive. Now they are hiring for those new websites, and they believe in this Manchester Evening News model of local news. In terms of future-proofing newsrooms, keep growing the network of titles and venture into other hotspots where it makes sense and where they can have an impact. If you like what you heard, you can listen to more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. If you'd like to feature one on my episode, I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.